Sean is a fresh of breath there. He just loved chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love each and it. Most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? It kind of looks like a football, actually. Thank you for that. Stitching you guys. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, Stay focused. Um, Work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It builds a bomb. It builds a bomb. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Witty Nation, welcome everyone to episode 116 of the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast, the number one self rated sports podcast about Bill Sabres and everything in between. We are your hosts. I am Matt. He is Tony. Tony, what's going on tonight? Who can turn the world off with a comment? Who can take a losing day and suddenly make us all want to vomit? It's Eli Apple and everyone should hate him. Twitter trolls out the crevices to debate him. The Bills are now in off-season mode. Firing Salgado, the secondary blowed. Who will replace him after all? Can we upgrade staff after all? Do we have, yeah, I have a confession to make? What is, what is it? What was the that, last bit? What was that last slide? Yeah. Can we upgrade the staff after all? Oh, upgrade, upgrade the staff. I thought you said gray staff, which I thought was some kind of unknown disease or something. Yes. Like, it's give a gray us staff this disease. Infection. The worst of, of the staff infections. Yes. The gray, the gray staff. staff. The dreaded gray staff infection. That shit is uh, going to fuck you up. That was the precursor to the bubonic plague for all your history right. books. The gray staff. Gray staff. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black lung, gray staff, Black death. Dead. 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 Uh, Tony, we have a lot of bills to get into. But first, I forgot to mention you can find the podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network at Built in Buffalo, Spotify, iTunes. Go listen to us. Check out everything Built in Buffalo is giving you every single day. Great Bills content. Also, give us a follow on the social medias of the world. Twitter, Instagram, at WittySports716. We love following back. So, Tony, I'm so frustrated from this game Sunday against the Bengals. I don't even know where to start. I didn't have anything written for an intro. Is there anything you want to discuss? Maybe not even involving the game. What's going on? Well, I will say this, and I think maybe it's game-related. If we could take a moment to analyze my life here. Is it just me? We don't have enough time. Or is it the circumstance of the Bills game and the loss and it now being the offseason? Or is this happening objectively in real life? Do you feel like TV is just blowing up right now? Like there's so many good things to watch all of a sudden out of nowhere. I feel like I have like eight new shows that I'm concerned with. What, What are, give me like three new shows you're watching. The Last of Us. Okay. Uh, you like Last of Us? Which, what do you think of Last I liked of it. Us so far? I liked it. Here's what I am struggling with about The Last of Us. Hearing... Another Walking Dead? Uh, a little bit. Hearing... Yeah. Um, what's his name? Pedro Pascal? Is that his name? Not wearing the Mandalorian. Pedro Pascal. <laughs> sort of. Like face. hearing his hearing his voice. Yeah. Hearing his voice unadulterated just coming out of a human face. I like am struggling to get past. Yeah, it's tough. I feel like I'm like, 
it's because it's still coming out of my TV. So it's like kind of robotic, but not right. quite like a speaker. So I'm like, it. I'm like, I know this sounds like Mandalorian and I'm supposed to think Mando. this is just like a regular human. Yeah, Mando. Yeah. Right. And I'm just like kind of struggling. But overall, high quality show, I thought I'm going to give it a chance. Okay. But as you said, I mean, I did not. There was a point I loved Walking Dead, but there was a point years ago in Walking Dead that it personally jumped the shark for me, and I never went back. Me as well. And which I is mean, a lot. I watched the first four was, like, seasons really and I was into it. super into it. Yeah, and then I was just like, they're just doing the same thing over and over again. <laughs> mm-hmm. They just go to another place. I think I lasted six or seven. Yeah. yeah, and then they just move on to seven. the next place. Well, because I had also read the comics. So like I knew kind of like I okay. knew I was like waiting for stuff, but there was a point I'm just like, I can't. Yeah, I can't do I this have, anymore. I have no I have no interest in that. Like, I'm just I'm like, why am I doing this? I'm not interested at all. Like, I'm right. I am really force feeding myself the pill here. Right. Uh, you said you're watching so, yeah. Shrinking as well. Jason Siegel, Harrison Ford. Yes. Yes. Brett Goldstein on the staff. Bill Lawrence on the staff. What an all star cast of producers. Yeah. Big, um, big time. Cast. Yeah, so is, was, is it a, is it funny? Big time. Yes, I laughed a lot. Oh, good. Okay, nice. It is. Uh, you are I, a big I, Apple TV proponent, by the. You know, I was thinking there about was a that too. Like, another, another Apple TV home run is is like what I thought today <laughs> when I watched the first two episodes. I'm like this is good, and it makes sense in that sense too. Of like Ted Lasso is only has one season left, so two of the main like producers from Ted Lasso are doing this now, also on Apple TV. Right. So they're jumping. They're they're setting themselves up for for the long term. Yeah, good call for them. And what's the third mm-hmm. show yeah. we're watching? Uh, well, I don't know, but on t- not a show, but I'm excited to watch a movie that came out today called. Uh, so excited uh, you, you can't remember the name. <laughs> yeah, it's called You People. Have you heard about? Oh, with Jonah Hill. Yeah, that was this? funny. Yeah, Jonah yeah. Hill. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I have not watched that yet because I'm just drowning in shows and. What a time for all these shows to come out as soon as the season's over. Did you watch Wednesday? I have not watched Wednesday yet. It's in the queue. I plan on watching Wednesday. It's excellent. It was maybe one of my biggest surprise shows ever. Oh, wow. Okay. How much do I have to pay attention? Could I watch it while working out? Uh, Or do I have to I'm going to say no, actually. Be in it. Okay. I'm going to say no. Good good plug for you working out for the listeners. (laughs) Hey, listeners, I work out. (laughs) You know, I mean, there's a lot of TV watching that happens while I'm working out, but it's usually, um, but it can't be like anything. It can't be something I have to pay attention to. It's got to be like Seinfeld. Yeah, I, I, I'd say something. there's like a story. There's like a mystery. Okay. You have to pay attention. It's it's good. A mystery. Much better than it has any right to be. Okay. Is it a comedy? Except, um, No, not like a straight up comedy, but oh, it's it's like this. quirky okay. funny. Like if you remember the Adams Family movies, it's like. They're not necessarily comedies. Well, those are comedies. Like dark humors. Yeah, I guess they are kind of comedies. Yeah. Okay. It, it's kind of in the same vein of the movies, except there's one big problem. Like it, of like Adam's family uh, value? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, big time. The actor playing Gomez Adams, the father, is Luis Guzman. Yes. Which is yes. not who I ever pictured, but I guess it goes more towards the original idea for Gomez. Like he was kind of frumpy and but i always picture him as like raul julia <laughs> kind of like debonair yes. and suave yes me too so that's what like, i think it is oh, this supposed is to be. this is strange yeah right it's a good show though. very good show tony we have a lot of uh tv viewing now to do 
that the Bills are uh, unfortunately done playing. We got a lot to get into. This was originally penned to be an hour of just us yelling, and it might still be that (laughs) podcast Mm -hmm. episode. There's a lot to be frustrated about. Uh, You ready to get into it? (laughs) Hell yeah. Let's get into it. One thing we don't have to be frustrated about, we can never be frustrated about, the sweet tones of Marv Levy. Marv, (laughs) take it away. We'll be back after the break. Bills fight, Bills go. Come on, let's win for Buffalo. And we are back, Tony. The journey has come to an end. Let's do a little game review. Our last so bad, it's good review of the year. Always a somber moment. Are you ready? Yeah, do it. Do it. Start. Start Let's right now. Do it. Go. Go. Hit the music. The rematch of matches that never happened. A real humdinger, if you will. As the Paw Patrol took to the sky, zoomed to the Ralph, and left the Bills as rubble as Jamar Chase was on the case early with a touchdown. Joshua, Jack Salen, and the Bills offense were swimming up Dawson's Knox Creek without a paddle all afternoon. The divisional round resulted in nothing but division for Bills Mafia, as hopes were high, but in the end, it was the Bengals driving the Hayden Hurst and Joe Sorority Burrow pledging DGV divisional game victory that are moving on to play the Chiefs. You down with Brandon Bean? Maybe not me. You down with Sean McDee? Maybe not me. You down with Leslie? Definitely not me. After this game, we are red in the face like a pair of Josh Allen bloody elbows. Bills lose 10 to the Bengals 27. Tony, that's the game review. That's the end of the season. I didn't really have much to write about. This game was so bad. I couldn't even muster yeah, up nothing happened. to do like a legit game review. I can, I can understand that. I can see where you're coming from on that. I mean, I think that, you know, really the highlight of the game was the success of our own he will yeah he looked great he will look great like he did all, uh, everybody like he did all playoffs yeah you're right it he really kinda, did the playoffs it kind of so. makes you think he should have been used more yeah kind of makes you think a lot of players should have been used more and a lot of players yeah, maybe should have been kinda, used less kind of kind of did you watch kinda brandon it, beans end of season press conference i only had a chance to see bits and pieces so I, what I, would you like to tell me about it hey i'm sure you you Got the Cliff Notes version of it. You you know the okay the highs and lows of what was said, but and I, and I don't know if it's just Brandon being being coy for the media, like he doesn't want to divulge too much or give too much away, and he just kind of wants to give blanketed answers and not reveal any offseason plans. Literally two three days after their season ended, uh, some of the stuff he said really just like with all this stuff we read between the lines, right? But it's like. There was a lot of, we won't make rash decisions. We won't judge things by one game. We'll look at the full scope of the season. Mm -hmm. And I'm just thinking to myself, maybe you should start judging things by one game. (laughs) Because that one game is the hump you need to get over. And you can't get over it. So let's not look at the whole scope of the season. Because the whole scope of the season says the defense was pretty good. The offense statistically was just as good, if not better, than last year. But if you look at the game that matters most, they lay another egg, just like they did with 13 seconds left last year against KC. Well, that wasn't... Like, you can't compare these games, like you're saying, just as I'm they did. Com- I'm not comparing like, the games you, holistically. I'm comparing moments. They but you're comparing... The ball. No, you're comparing a game and a moment. I'm comparing 
situations where they drop the ball and, and they drop the ball in the biggest games of the year on a consistent basis. This coaching staff does not ever seem to have this team prepared enough schematically, game plan wise, to overcome any deficiencies they may have. I will, we'll get into it. I, I'm sure we'll have a lot to discuss okay. here. Uh, Tony, instead of ranting and yelling, uh, I thought we'd bring back one of our most popular segments from this past year, one of our newest oh. segments from this past year. Tony, it's Witty World, Witty World, party time, not excellent, Bill's lost. Now let me ask you this, uh, Matt. What's the metric by which you say this is one of this is our most popular segments? Uh, mainly just me liking the idea. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's what I figured. Just we, wanted we to focus that. group. We focus group day. Yeah, we put it on uh, Survey Junkie. Yeah, yes, Survey Junkie results came back. Tony, I thought Finally. instead of just yelling into an abyss, we would give the listeners top five reasons why the Bills lost in this game. Tony, would you like me to do the honors with number five, or would you like to go? Mm, you should go. All right. My number five reason the Bills lost, bloody elbows. What's the deal? Mm-hmm. My Jerry Seinfeld voice. What's the deal yep. with Josh's bloody elbows? Two weeks in a row, this man's elbows are just a bloody mess. What is going on? He's He wears sleeves. That's the other part that's crazy. Why is this man's elbows so bloody? Is it I just assumed him that... on the turf carrying the team? Ooh. Yeah, he's got the team on his back, but it's like he's carrying it like dog, like yeah, literally like on his back like a camel. There's so much weight. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The weight he bears. Um, he's no Jordy Nelson. Nobody is Jordy Nelson. One of the was top Jordy one Nelson of the, top the jo- Do I have that right? One of the top Jordy Jordy Nelson ever. was the player that has the team on his back, right? Uh, I think that it was Jordy Greg Nelson? Jennings, if you're referring to the video game commercial. Oh, yeah, Greg Jennings. That is what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Greg Jennings is what I mean. Yeah, we can fix that. He's in carrying the team. Two weeks in a row now, Josh has had bloody elbows with sleeves on. I don't know how it occurs. I don't know how it happens. I don't know why it continues to happen. But top that with the elbow injury that occurred throughout the year. Should we be worried about Josh's, what is it, stigmatic elbows. bloody elbows? Here? Oh, oh, oh. Wow. It didn't even cross my mind that Josh could be stigmatic. But I Just bleeding. like this theory a lot. I like this theory a lot, a lot. I mean, they play on Sundays. <laughs> right? It's probably the day that Stigmata kicks in. Right? It's very likely. I'm just mm-hmm. saying. Mm-hmm. That's My number five highly reason. Highly likely. I Josh, really like this. Josh's bloody elbows. Maybe. No, it, we, stig- yeah. Stigmata. It's Josh, Josh possible Stigmatic. I like this a lot. That's a great one. <laughs> He's the savior of the organization. I know. His father was a carpenter. That was a farmer, I guess. I mean, yeah. I think in biblical same, same times, thing. everyone was pretty much a farmer, though. Probably. <laughs> okay, probably. Yeah, Tony, like uh, your number, your number five reason why the Bills lost. Uh, my number five reason is that Leslie Frazier discovered that there was a show about him, and he was up all night the night before watching it. Now that show, as <laughs> you, you mean know, Jack, is Jack Lawson's favorite show, Frazier. Is Frazier Sack Lawson's favorite show? Oh, we, as we established last week, Tony, his nickname is Crane. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yes, exactly. Maybe that. So Shaq, maybe that's why Shaq, Shaq came back. Turned, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that, Sha- I'm thinking that Shaq, the Crane, the Niles in this relationship, turned his coach <laughs> onto Frazier. And Leslie Frazier can't get enough. And he can't I, get enough of, I like, also have... you know, workplace jokes about it. 
<laughs> Here's the who's a calling. Frazier on my list. That's my number four. So uh, we could talk about oh, okay. this one in the same here. I, I have the title of Down Goes Frazier. Down Goes Frazier. So the reason and is I, so the reason we lost is because that phrase is in the zeitgeist. Oh, absolutely. So, okay. The reason the reason we lost is because as I have said for a while, Tony, I'm kind of done with Leslie Frazier. Mm-hmm. You might think he's a good coach and that's fine and well, and he, he probably is in his own right. But I just think it's time for a new set of eyes on this defense, a new thought process in terms of what personnel is it's, they're targeting. And it's probably as much of on Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean as well. But I just think we need some new energy on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. And this is my personal thought. I just hate every time the camera pans to Leslie Frazier and he's just like dead eye. <laughs> The man shows mm-hmm. no emotion. If they get a stop, if they make a big play, for example, last week at the Dolphins wildcard game, Tremaine Edmonds had that big hit in the flat on a screen pass. And it was, wasn't was Leslie Frazier like hooting and hollering. It's Sean McDermott clapping and, you know, bringing the energy up. I need the whole coaching staff to be to be up there. And that includes Leslie Frazier or whoever the defense coordinator happens to be in the future. I just think he hasn't fixed anything like the run defense still stinks. They've invested all this capital into the front four, draft capital, free agency capital. And Von Miller is really good. We know that. And the advanced numbers tell us that. But aside from Von Miller, Greg Russo, I think, is a good player who continues to progress. So I'm okay with that. I think Boogie Basham and AJ Epinesa have reached their ceilings, and their ceiling is a moderately decent XFL player. Mm. I am absolutely done with those guys. It's probably a little harsh, but it probably is a little true as well. I am absolutely done with those guys. Whatever Leslie Frazier drew up throughout the week did not work. I don't really like his Monday through, let's just say Saturday game planning throughout the later half of the year. They came out flat almost every week. I think there was like, what, five straight weeks. There was a five straight week window there where they gave up first drive touchdowns every single week. They gave up one in this divisional round matchup against the Bengals here. What what are we doing? I got mad at him <laughs> earlier in the year when the Dolphins, the second Dolphins game in the regular season, the Chargers gave them the blueprint on how to beat the Dolphins and Leslie Frazier and the Bills did not follow any of it. I don't know if it's because they don't have the personnel or they're just so fickle and hard-headed, a la Rex Ryan, (laughs) that they do not want to change their style of defense. The whole point, the whole Brandon Bean speech last year was to get more versatile, to get more speed, to get more versatile in the defensive schemes where they can play man when necessary. But they didn't. They just played zone. And they stuck in that zone until... They were blue in the face when it worked, when it didn't work, stuck with it. And there is no more damning evidence that there needs to be a change than the screenshot that has been going around social media. Bengals third and four, four wide, trip set at the bottom or top, I forget. There is one member of the secondary on screen, on the screen, on a third and four, when you need to stop more than anything. And that one guy on the screen, is seven yards off the player, at least. The cushion is incredible. And they're blitzing. And they're blitzing. Mm-hmm. I've never played a down of football. 
but I know football 101 usually says if you are blitzing, the ball is going to come out quick. The quarterback is going to be looking for his hot read. So get up on the line and jam these guys and be aggressive. Like there is no reason for you to be playing seven yards off or in the safety's case and the other cornerback's case. I don't know. I think it was Elam playing 15 yards or more off. Like, what are we doing here? The front four got no pass rush against a banged up offensive line. Again, when you've invested a lot of capital and a lot of time and a lot of effort into watching these players progress, that that is a complete myth. I, I, I'm, I'm done. And we saw this week, the fall guy happened to be Jim Salgado, the safeties coach, which I don't know where that came from. He was the Nichols coach for the previous three or so years. Developed one of the best nickel cornerbacks in the game, and Taron Johnson, supposedly. He's he's very good. I'll, I'll give him that. <laughs> Mo- moves to sa- moves to safety coach as an all pro safety and Micah Hyde go down for the year early in the season. Has another all pro safety in Jordan Poyer, who has no contract, get hurt, play through those injuries throughout the year. He has the guy who replaced Micah Hyde go down with a, a traumatic injury to say the least in a scary situation at that. Why is he the fall guy? There was, there's always got to be a fall guy, right? Last year was Heath Farwell for special teams. This year, it seems to be Jim Salgado. I think that announcement is a breath of relief. If you're Leslie Frazier, because usually when teams announce they're relieving coaching staffs of their duties and full ones at that, they announce like the defensive coordinator and also all these guys under him. The fact that they just did the guy under him, I think bodes well for Frazier, which I am not okay with. That's my that's my end of my rant. I'm sure I'll continue after I let you say what you I was gonna say. That was like a lot of really deep true analysis for like the witty segment where we're making puns. <laughs> yes. I had to turn the witty off for a minute. I guess so. I'm done. Jeez. I'm just done with them. What are we doing here? Ed Oliver. Where's that Oliver been? Would you pay anybody on that defensive line? Would you give anybody on that defensive line a second contract? At this point, Ed Oliver, Epinesa, uh, Boogie. It depends what the price is. <laughs> I wouldn't. Would you pay Ed Oliver $10 million? Mm, I would have to look at who else is $10 million it, and see if, I, like, I just, you I, know, if that matches up with what I think Ed Oliver's talent is. I think they're the worst blitzing team in the league. Yeah. Whenever they blitz, they cannot get to the quarterback, which leaves them susceptible in the secondary to one-on-one. Right. And they don't win one-on-one. Like, they're just... It it's broken. It's just a broken system. It's mm-hmm. been figured out, and they, like I said, they're too fickle and too hard headed to adjust. Who's that cheating chess player? They're trying to be that cheating chess player. Bobby Fisher. Oh, who's the 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 guy from earlier this year? Who was on like a virtual chess game, and he the, the other guy quit like two seconds uh, in because he oh. thought the other guy was cheating. Yeah, I kind of remember this. You think it's time for him to to go? I think I would want to see. Well, it could be. I'm open-minded to it. And I think that until this moment, I've been very close-minded to it. Until this moment, I've been like, no way, McDermott and Frazier, they're the dynamic duo. They're, you know, just like super successful, super solid. Now I'm like, "Eh, if he was to go and if we were to figure something out, that could be interesting. I think that a lot of what you said falls on positional coaches in the sense that I think coordinators coordinate and positional coaches develop. Um, And we're talking about talent that has not developed. 
And I think that's a tremendous problem in the lack of depth. I would like to see, but what was coordinated for Sunday, mm, it was a coordinated piece of shit. So he could go. I mean, he, he could, and maybe it would be okay, but I would, ha- I would have to see it's, it's a risk. It's a gamble. Is it a gamble I'm willing to take? Potentially. I, I kind of just like, I wish I could see the future because it's a gamble of like, well, who else, what are we going to do? Who else is out there? Are they going to be in the same? I think that a certain amount of the philosophy has to go with Sean McDermott. You know, like for example, mm-hmm. I saw on Twitter, which is a popular social media app that someone, I think the Vikings interviewed uh, Mike Pettin. And I'm like, oh man, I have oh, really? a lot of great memories of, with Mike Pettin. But I'm like, but him and McDermott like have such different no philosophies that too much like bald. it would never work out. Yeah, it's too much bald is correct. Yes. yes. McDermott can't handle that. He's got the skin cancer. It's oh, too susceptible. Too it's, too much much. it's too much. It's too much. Bald. Too much bald. Too much bald. Too much cranium. Think, so. Too much cranium. Too much Fraser cranium. I kind of don't think he is. Is he? You picture him that way? I kind of do. Okay. I could be mm. wrong. Have we ever seen Leslie Fraser without a hat? That's what I'm kind of trying to think of. Going on I kind of think he doesn't. Mm, I'm all right. I'm doing a Google search right now. And so, to get back to the witty, real quick, name oh, okay. like three three great Leslies in history. Leslie Nielsen. Yep, that's one. That's the obvious one. Right, Leslie Frazier. Uh, I have. I'm looking at pictures of him hatless, and he has hair. Oh, oh okay. He's not bald. Okay. Give me two more Leslies. Leslie Nielsen. Are... Leslie Nielsen does not get enough play. Oh yeah, no, he's un- underrated. Yeah, like comedic we don't talk about performer, him. Yeah, super, super underrated. Like we should be talking about him. Like he's a, a legend of insane right. proportions. If you can make yeah. OJ funny, you des- you deserve top top billing in the comedy world. Even when I Google just Leslie for the auto finish, the three answers that come up are not Nielsen. I guess. Yeah, yeah, go, yeah. Let's gu- give it a guess. I'm, gu- I'm guessing one of them. I'm guessing one of them is Leslie. No, you are incorrect. Wow. Okay. I'm off. Give me the three. Who are the three Leslie's that come up? Leslie Frazier, our own. No. Okay. No, they're all first name Leslie's. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, Les- Leslie Jordan is next. Never heard of him. Do you know who that or is? Her. No, you, you have. No, if you, if, no, you have. Cause it actor, comedian, writer, and singer. If you saw the picture, you'd be, you would know exactly who it was. Okay. Will and Grace, American Leslie. Horror Story, Cool Kids, Call Me Cat, Hearts of Fire. Okay. I'm guessing Leslie Jones is one. No. No. Good, because she's not funny. Is Leslie Jones who I think it is? She used to be on Saturday Night Live. Oh, I Live. like Leslie Jones. She... I like Leslie no, Jones. No, she's terrible. I like no, Leslie Jones she a lot. She just yells. No, be you fun. just don't understand. You don't need to comedy. yell to be funny. You you, <laughs> you only like you only like witty. You only like witty. You don't know anything about funny. <laughs> it's true. You as well. She also ruined Supermarket <laughs> Sweep for me, which is... Seemed like a oh, impossible task yeah. at the time. Impossible task at the time that you could root supermarket sweep. But she found a way with her yelling to try to be funny comedy. Doesn't work for me. All right. So Leslie Jordan. Who works for me. I like it. I, I like I like Leslie Jones. So it's Leslie Frazier, Leslie Jordan, and Leslie Odom Jr. Okay. Cool dude. That, that's one. Leslie Odom Jr. is a cool dude. Hamilton. Leslie Odom Jr. Guy. Cool dude. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very, so we named yeah. three, the top three Leslie's and one of them is famous or deserving of, of getting adoration from us. No, you would, you would give Leslie Jordan adoration if you knew who this person I was. Would. I you, don't know. you would. 
There has been one you good Leslie in the history of Leslie. <laughs> That's why we need to move on. All right. You think so? You just sound ignorant. That's all. <laughs> Tony, welcome to the podcast. You've only been here for uh, I guess 116 so. episodes. <laughs> I sound ignorant every week. Number four for you. What do you got? Number four. Right before the game, Bobby Hart got subpoenaed to be a January 6th witness. Really? <laughs> and it left everyone in tatters. I can totally see that. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I don't really know fully like what Bobby the fact Hart that you said it and I was like, yeah, for. that's true. <laughs> Thanks yeah, yeah. Mm, that completely adds up. <laughs> I don't think he was there, but just like as a witness, just like as someone's going to contribute information to the to the scene. Right. That's what I contribute Bobby Hart to be. Yeah. In this whole totally thing, in- you know, it's just like like he's in, but like he's on the outside looking in. He's got he's got a thumb in a lot of pies. So it's like, oh, yeah, you know, every group is the B group to Bobby Hart. Right. Oh, now, Bobby Hart, one more jam. You know, one more jam at Bobby Hart before we, <laughs> where we depart on the season. Well, yeah, of course. Is you he said back one next more. year? Do you th- I was just going to ask. Do you think he'll be back next year? Is he contractually back next year? I think no offensive lineman is safe except for Deion Dawkins. Oh, really? I see. I think, like, I think Dawkins, Morris, and Bates are solid. They might not be fantastic, but they're solid. I think Deion Dawkins mm-hmm. might be. To the casual Bills fan, great, but I think he's a little overrated, but he's fine. It's tough to find left tackles in this league that are good. That are even now. Uh, Bobby yeah. Hart is a, a unrestricted free agent. See ya. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm seeing but that, I say that because I say that because to me, if you're going to make someone a scapegoat, it's, it's always it Bobby involves Hart. some beach chairs. Well, yeah, and Bobby Hart. But I mean, I meant in yes, terms of it definitely, who, it definitely who we're involves. firing here. Beach chairs. Yes, I could yes. very well see that. Dawkins, Morse, Bates, solid. Spencer Brown. I don't think Bates is. I, I think Bates. I think that depending on really? who you bring in, I think depend. Yeah, I think depending on who's sitting in this beach chair next, Bates could be. <laughs> they they could say we don't need that in our life. See, I think I think Bates is he's a solid guard, and I think the versatility of him being the backup center, his job is pretty mm. safe there. Mm-hmm. Right, Spencer Brown. Super high RAS score when he was drafted. A lot of potential. Still raw coming out of college, going to a small school. I'm I'm not waving the white flag on Spencer Brown yet. He had a rough year. Me neither. I, I think there's still something there. Let's talk about left guard. Roger Saffold says he wants to be back with the Bills. Says he'll take a pay cut. I will give you five cents. <laughs> and that is your contract. Yeah. <laughs> I do not want to see that man back in a Bills uniform. Seems like a nice guy. He's a terrible player, and he has been all this year. A lot of potential, uh, a lot of hope when we signed him being a pro bowler last year. But I think it's just that Tennessee Titans offensive system where it's like, well, every offensive lineman looks really good, especially in their run blocking grades uh, because they're behind Derrick Henry and the system's just set up to to be a strong running team. This system that the Bills currently run, that they will be running because I think Dorsey's back next year is not a running system. They don't use their running backs. And we found out very quickly and it continued and didn't get better throughout the year. Roger Saffold is not good at pass blocking. He got absolutely destroyed by DJ Reader this divisional round mm-hmm. against the Bengals. Destroyed, like not even close, like right off the snap, right off the line, dust in the wind. 
DJ Reader ate him for lunch. And the worst part is, and this is why I'm not even, I am mad that he couldn't block the guy right in front of him adequately enough to, to keep Josh upright. And if you watch those plays, if you watch the all 22, you watch Roger Saffold get beat like a drum constantly throughout that game. The worst part is after he gets beat, he just stands there like an idiot. He doesn't go, you think like, <laughs> oh, I got, oh, I got beat. Let me go see where I can help out. Let me find the next closest guy and go block them. Maybe Josh scrambles. Josh is known to improvise. Great improvisational mm-hmm. skills back there. Maybe me helping out opens up a running lane for Josh Allen to take off. No, Roger Saffold stood there like a freaking idiot all game. And I am absolutely done with that guy. I know he wants to be back. Good luck finding another job. I do not want to see that man in a Bills uniform again. He he was very bad. And if the main goal of this offensive line should be to keep your $250 million plus dollar investment upright, functional, and uninjured. And they failed in every aspect this divisional round game. So you're right. I think Aaron Cromer is, if he's not gone in this offseason, he is for sure on the hot seat. I would tell him. I think so. If I was Sean McDermott, if I was Brandon Bean, I would say, and if it is true that what you said about positional coaches earlier, which I, I agree with, I would say you have Bates, Morris, Dawkins. Those are fine. You have two jobs this offseason. We are going to draft you a high guard in the one of the first two rounds, or we're going to bring in a veteran, whatever. I don't think they have the cap room to do that. So I'm, I'm guessing they go draft with the guard. We're going to draft a high, highly touted, high prospect guard. You have two jobs, to fix Spencer Brown and to get this guard up to speed and to protect Josh Allen. So three jobs, because I can't do math. Three jobs. If you can't do that by the bye week, if we don't see any change by the bye week next, you're gone. That's what I would tell Aaron Cromer. You're gonna, so you're saying you want to fire Aaron Cromer potentially midseason? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I think I, just don't bother. Get rid of him right now. Sure, that's fine too. <laughs> I think there needs to be some, especially McDermott and others in this organization, organization, have talked a big game about accountability, improving your worth, and all this crap. And every step of the way, when they have a chance to exhibit what they say, when they have a chance to talk the talk and walk the walk, if you will, mm-hmm. they don't do it. People need to be held accountable, whether it's personnel, whether it's staff, whoever. And that's why I'm not giving guys like Brandon Bean a pass, guys like Josh Allen a pass, who always seem to get a pass. Like Brandon Bean, I, I wouldn't say he's on the hot seat by in, in any way because he's done a really good job. I wouldn't say Sean McDermott's on the mm-hmm. hot seat because the six, seven coaches prior to him won zero playoff games because they didn't even get to the playoffs. Sean McDermott is four and five in the playoffs. That is a significantly better record than the previous seven mm-hmm. guys before him. So stop it with the McDermott is on the hot seat talk, Bill's Mafia. I agree. Or you want to see whenever McDermott they say gone. that, I'm like, where were you the last 20 years? Like it's not right. just easy. They they weren't they weren't Bills fans. I'll tell you that. They just came in when the Bills got yeah. Um, yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah. But I think there does need to be some more in-season accountability held mm-hmm. holding these players, holding the staff's feet to the fire a little bit. Also, from a personnel perspective, just going off on a tangent here, I said this on Twitter this week. I kind of think we need more assholes on the team. Wow. Not like the Eli like, Apple. Like who's like who's an asshole? Yeah, like this is what I want as an example. For example, the Chiefs linebacker Willie Gay was interview this week leading up to the champion AFC championship game. And he was asked by a reporter, 
the Bengals have a proficient offense. Who on the Bengals do you fear as a defensive player? And he said, mm-hmm. nobody. They have nobody we fear. Like, just answers like that. Instead of the the blanket answers that Bill's players give, you know, they got some some good players. We're going to scheme. Like, just the prototypical Belichickian. We're saying a lot of words, but they have no context or have no weight to them. We're mm-hmm. just giving blanket answers. Give me a guy who's a little bit of an asshole, who has a little swagger. I, I watched that Bengals game. I rewatched it after Sunday. Literally the first two plays of the game. Joe Burrow passed to, I think, T. Higgins, because we can't get pressure on Burrow. And then a Joe Mixon pitch, which they were killing us all day on the stretch pitch plays, because our defense, our whole team looked like they were running in quicksand all game. That's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. We were just incredibly slow every step of the way. But after those two plays, the Bengals players popped up and were jawing at the crowd, were jawing at the Bills' sideline. Like they brought a swagger and they they were kind of assholes. Like, but it I feel like there's a you need to have a degree of that to kind of get over the hump in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Times that we've seen teams with assholes succeed. The Ravens with Ray Lewis. Like Ray Lewis is like a nice guy. Might have killed someone. Used deer antler spray. Not Might. a nice guy. Might allegedly. Terrell Owens. Notable asshole took the Eagles to the Super Bowl. Randy Moss, OBJ, kind of an asshole. Yeah, Odell Beckham, kind of an asshole. I'm not saying change the culture, start like a Greg Williams bounty system. No, I'm not. I'm just saying get a couple guys who know they're good, who show it on the field, who show some energy, who show some swagger. And show a little attitude. Maybe that's, maybe I'm using the wrong A word, and the A word I should be using is attitude. Mm -hmm. I get the vibe of what you're saying. You could argue that Diggs is like that. Yeah, I think Diggs is the one and only that we have that is like that. Okay. Well, I think. Even even like Josh is sometimes like that, but man, even from the start on Sunday, Uh whenever they showed a close-up of Josh Allen, he looked defeated. The game didn't even start. He just looked like, yeah, we're not going to win this game. I felt like he knew. Every close-up camera mm-hmm. shot of him was just like, well, I think we all those knew. Eyes, I think on some level, those eyes look, yeah, probably. I knew. That's why they I was beady. terribly upset. They were beady, but right. beady in, in the wrong beady, way. Yeah, beady-eyed Josh is a thing. Tony, you ready for my number three? Please. All right, I think you're going to like this one. The Earth's core. What about the Earth's core? I know it's, it's uh, preparing to be reversed. Yep. Is that what you're about to scientists, say? Scientists in Beijing yep. have determined yep. the rotation of the Earth's inner core may have paused and it could even go in reverse. Mm-hmm. Something's telling me the Earth's core going in reverse kind of turned the tables on the Bills' mood, their season. I don't know. The vibes were never right Sunday. They never felt right. No. And maybe it's because the Earth didn't feel right, Tony. The ground oh. that they walked on didn't feel right because it was moving in reverse. The promising, right. hopeful season that once was went in reverse and mm-hmm. diminished before our eyes. I'm blaming the Earth's core on this one. That's my number three reason for the loss. Several ideas. How many missed field goals did we see on Saturday? Or did we see this past weekend, I should say, in these games? A lot. More than usual? More than usual. Just ask the Dallas kicker, Brent Mayer. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that guy's good all year, and then all of a sudden right. he stinks in the playoffs. Right, this is what I'm telling. This is what I'm trying to say, Matt. It seems pretty obvious the reason that did the, the reason that that happened. The centrifuge of this earth; those kicks are flying anywhere. They're flying out into orbit. 
Didn't, didn't Josh's and passes just seem a little off on Sunday? And by a little, I mean a, a lot. little off. They were practically going in reverse. Now, as we all learned from Superman, and by that I mean most of us learned it from Seinfeld's references to Superman, right. is that if the if the Earth was to rotate backwards, time would also go backwards. What day is today? I don't even know anymore. I exactly. thought I knew, but now you have uh, me questioning myself. We are in a time warp here. Yeah. Call Bill and Ted. Not the Rocky Horror type. No. Let's do the time warp again. We never did it the first time. Right. Everything was off, including the the result of the game. Are we on your number three? I think we're on my number three. For number three, I will sort of go with what you were talking about regarding how Josh looked, regarding how everyone looked sluggish, and Josh, there was no zip on anything, personally or physically. And... So we had heard that all week, it was bad practices all week, that everyone was tired in practice all week, to the point where the coaches had to make adjustments to the practices because everyone was so sluggish, lethargic, and tired. Right. Now, Matt, it's three weeks into January. That is the week that epidemiologists say is the peak of the post-holiday COVID spike. Let's put two and two together here, Matt. COVID was running through the locker room. They played through it. They all had COVID, so they practiced like shit, and then they played like shit. They should have just stayed home or figured this thing out. I'm not trying to be witty. I'm trying to be serious. Like this all adds up to me that they all had, that they all had COVID. COVID was running through go, the locker room. I thought you were gonna go another way with it. The flu? No. Shingles? Not- What's the third? Yeah, oh, RSV. G- RSV gout. Yeah. <laughs> gout. Um, no, I thought you were going to say we haven't seen the sun here in Buffalo in what seems like a good month now. And the, because we haven't mm. seen the sun, because these players haven't been getting their vitamin D from the sun, that they right. look lethargic. Which is necessary in the fight no for COVID. <laughs> true, that. true that as well. So. I'm sure it's all the above here. It's it's probably a, it a might COVID be. outbreak that swept it's was swept under the rug. RSV, COVID, no sun. Yes. Gout. Season, seasonal gout depression. Outbreak, a gout yeah. break. It, gout break. <laughs> yeah. Great band name. Why isn't any band come up with that name? Gout break. I was thinking like a sequel to Outbreak should be Gout Break. What was the new outbreak? Contagion. Like Contagion oh, yes. 2. Gout break. Gout. We'll now, start writing gout- the script. Is gout even contagious? Also stars Matt Damon. I don't, I don't even know what gout is, oh, yeah, honestly. Mm, okay. <laughs> what could gout be? Let's see. Gout is a form of inflammatory arthritis characterized by recurrent attacks of red, tender, hot, and swollen joints caused by the disposition of needle-like crystals of uric acid known as monosodium urate crystals. Pain typically comes rapidly, reaching maximal intensity in less than 12 hours. Maximal intensity, not maximum intensity. Maximal, no, maximal intensity of pain. Oh, well, hmm. Transformers about Beast the, Wars, maximals there. In about uh, half the cases, the joint at the base of the big toe is affected. Wow. Uh, big toe. Maybe turf toe isn't Im- even real. Maybe it's just gout. It is the most important toe of the five, the big toe. Oh, that's true. And the leader of the toes. And the leader of the toes. Does Josh have gout in his elbows? Is that why they're all bloody? Elbow gout. Is mm. that why he can't he could, throw? It could be crystals. His whole arm is experiencing some kind of gout-like arthritis. Is it the crystals? Just are those crystals in there, just slicing it up, just cutting up his elbows, and now they're bleeding everywhere. And crystals, fucking crystals. Uh, uh, Tony, my number two. 
Get a little ditty for you here. My number two, Ooh. Psycho Coordinator, Quest Say Sa. Fa, 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 fa. Run, 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 run the ball. Oh, Ken Dorsey, you got to do better. <laughs> the game plan of let's just let Josh go God mode doesn't work all the time. It doesn't even work half the time. A lot of times we just talked about how they ran out of steam. They have no energy. That's just because, as we mentioned last week in the wildcard game, it's just been balls to the wall. There doesn't seem to be any kind of formulaic strategy or plan to this offense. Ken Dorsey is an absolute psycho, and I think he just said, F it all. Josh, go backyard football with it. We don't know what we're doing out there, so will us to a victory. Mm-hmm. Um, Ken Dorsey, the the psycho coordinator, needs to get better in year two. I think he'll be back. Statistically, they the offense is just as good as under Dable. But they never they never seem to pass the eye test. It always seemed like it was a struggle for this offense to score points. It never seemed to come easy for them or fluidly for them. And a lot of people are pointing to the Pittsburgh Steelers game as a as a turn, as a pivot point in this season and for this offense. The first four weeks were fantastic. First five weeks, probably mm-hmm. actually. First five weeks were fantastic. A lot of quick passes, a lot of hot reads. Josh getting the ball out quickly. It was like, this is what we wanted to see. We wanted to see Ken Dorsey take Brian Dable's offense, the fundamental core of Brian Dable's offense, and just evolve it, put his own spin on it, figure out how to utilize guys like McKenzie, make Gabe Davis the number two receiver we thought he could be. And it was working for a while there. And then the Pittsburgh game happened. And they hit bomb after bomb, including like literally the opening play of the game when they're backed up mm-hmm. at the two yard line. And Gabe Davis on third and whatever it was, 14. And since then, it was just, I think Ken Dorsey saying, Oh, this is fun. Let's do this all the time. <laughs> Let's just try to hit home run after home run. And it works. And the offense is talented enough and the personnel is talented enough where they can get by against average to below average teams. But when you run into a team like the Bengals, who were on a winning streak of their own, who are defending AFC champions, who have been in these spots before, who are just as talented on paper as you guys, if not more, this this whole like balls to the wall attitude just didn't work. So um, uh, my number two blame of this loss is uh, psycho coordinator Ken Dorsey. If I'm not trying to be witty in a top five, yeah, he's he's where I point the finger at first in this loss, too. It was abysmal. He screwed up everything. Yes. Every like, it's just I, what the hell was he thinking? Like, none of this was gonna pan out in anyone in anyone's favor the way anyone wants to see it. It was silly. I think it was very telling. He looks, his press conference is like he looks so incompetent. Uh huh. He did look so incompetent. Uh, he didn't look like he had any clue what he was doing. But in yeah. Brandon Bean's press conference a few days ago, he talked specifically about Naheem Hines and James Cook. Or was it McDermott? It was, it was, it might have been McDermott, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. One of them spoke about James Cook and Naheem Hyde's utilization in this offense mm-hmm. and how like they wish they got used in the passing game more. It's like, yeah, so do we. <laughs> like, I where, know. Yes. where was that? Somebody Everyone said, like, when Naheem Hines ideas. learned the playbook, he should have been utilizing this offense for, yeah. Of course he should have. And that, and that's my biggest concern about Ken Dorsey moving forward is if, if he says, Sean, Brandon, 
go out and get me these players. This is how I want to shape my offense. And then he has no idea how to use the players he was Mm -hmm. asked his GM to get for him. Is that a guy that's a competent offensive coordinator? I don't think so. I think that I never saw, regardless of the personnel coming in, I never saw any evidence that Dorsey was interested in being better. Yeah, good point. Like I know things like I know things were supposedly installed over time. Like Josh would mention, like um, we installed some new things this week. I feel like I'm seeing new, fresh, cool ideas on every other team but us. And I feel like I'm just like, all right, here's another set of the same like plays I've been watching all season. And we'll and you know, it'll probably work. Maybe it won't. But then, you know. Three hours after I say that, I'm seeing a huddle like in a turnstile and like all these ideas. And I'm like, like Dorsey, what are we doing? Like, I don't know. Dorsey just looks archaic, I think, is kind of how I assess it. And I've kind of been saying that all year in the sense that I look for Dorsey to be running the offense like it's the 2000 Miami Hurricanes offense that he was on. And whereas I always say, like, my criticism of that is that he's trying to run it like that or like that's where he thinks offense is. But the difference is that offense was designed. Whereas the quarterback himself was the worst player on the team. Now it's the opposite. Josh is the best player on the team and it should be something more along those lines instead of this like yak focused offensive system that doesn't work anyway. So now I'm thinking every, you know, he's just like too locked into that. That's his knowledge base of what he knows about how to call a game. And that's not going to work in 2023. So it like that's I think what disappoints me the most is I, I didn't see growth from him throughout the year or even yeah. creativity or ideas or even even just like a playbook that moves fast enough to keep up with the rest of the league. And it caught up to him. I kind of said it better myself. I think those are all great points. How he hasn't evolved, how he didn't make adjustments throughout the season. Mm-hmm. Teams adjusted to him, it seemed like. When teams started oh, yeah. to figure out this offense, Ken Dorsey didn't have a counterpunch to it. And that's probably what you get with a first-year coordinator. But I think the bell curve is skewed for Ken Dorsey because, as opposed to other first-year coordinators because he had a system he inherited that worked really, yeah. really well. Mm-hmm. All you had to do was kind of teeter it, tad, and then call the right plays. If he's just not a good play caller, then that's a whole other story. But too many times this year, there didn't seem to be any plan. There didn't seem to be any strategy. Guys didn't seem to know what they were doing half the time. I yeah. Mean, Davis and McKenzie were on top of each other at the end of their routes. I've mentioned that before. I'll mention it again. Like this whole this whole offense should be based on spacing. Knox is more athletic than people he's going against. Diggs is the best route runner in the league. Davis is supposedly good at contested catches. McKenzie is very fast and gadgety. Like those guys operate best in space and you're giving them no space because your route trees have them on top of each other. Right. That was my biggest, biggest beef with Dorsey's offense. And I think when teams started to figure out, he just said, we're going to rely on Josh's talent. And like I said, for below average to average teams, it got them by. But when they started running into smarter coaches and better talent on the field, we saw mm-hmm. what happened Sunday. Tony, our number ones, I will go first. And that is swing and a miss. <laughs> and no, this isn't based on and the, the rumors. <laughs> this is based I was just on the rumors. That's, I was just about to ask that. I'm like, is this what I think it is? 
no, this is this is more of a a testament or a jab at Brandon Bean's roster construction because there's been a lot oh. of swings and now we're realizing there's been a lot of misses as well. He hit on the biggest piece needed to build a successful mm-hmm. NFL roster, to build a successful organization, to garner victories, and that is the quarterback. So he has the longest of ropes and is farthest away from the hot seat that a, a GM could be because of that, because that's very hard to find. We see it. Yes. So 75% of the other teams in this league who don't have a franchise quarterback or a seemingly franchise quarterback. He hit on that. Aside from a couple hits here and there, Matt Milano in the fifth round, mm-hmm. some other guys. I think Gabe Davis is a hit. For where he was drafted, I will say he he's fine. Yeah. There's been a lot of misses. And, the, and there is a lot of misses in the draft. No GM is going to have a hit rate of 100% in terms of mm-hmm. solid players who are starting caliber, who make an impact. It, it's not feasible. It's not realistic. But Brandon Bean's had a lot of misses lately. And I'm kind of starting to, I don't know if sour is too harsh of a word, but I need to I need to see some more hits here from Brandon Bean mm-hmm. and his, his, um, his scouting department. Mm-hmm. So Brandon Bean gets, so when you say is hit, the one I'm referring to a swing and a miss here. When you say hit, at what point, what like how successful do they have to be for them to become a hit in your mind? Mm, I would say pro bowler. Do they have to be a pro bowler? No, no. I would say a player who makes an impact. Okay. Has Ed Oliver played up to where he was nope. drafted? No. no. I mean, he has. He had a lot of hype surrounding him. I would say overall, he's been getting good. He's shown some flashes of it would be really cool, but. I don't know. I think it's also tough to tell in that circuit, unless you're like incredibly good. I think it might kind of be tough to tell because how often yeah. do you expect him to like do something amazing? So I don't know. Anyway, I guess I, I don't know. Like starting just one example. The, starting the year after Josh Allen, 2019, mm-hmm. you have Ed Oliver, Cody Ford, Devin Singletary, Dawson Knox, Boshan Joseph. Still believe we still believe I do. I have his jersey. I mean, there's five picks there. Are there, are there any hits? I mean, Dawson Knox, maybe, but at this point for what his production is, he seems to be a little bit overpaid, in my opinion. 2020, well, this season, missed. yeah. Zach Moss, not on this the This season team. was a little down. You can't yeah. judge the whole career just on this season. Gabe Davis, okay, for a fourth-round pick. Jake Fromm, no. Yeah. Bass, good no. pick, but also a kicker. So that's a hit. Isaiah yeah, Hodgins, no. definite miss, because he's really good and he should be on our team. And probably right. a hit with Dane Jackson See, I, for a yeah. seventh round pick. So, I was going to say, mean, I'm like, that's a hit. Yeah. Do you consider, so, like, if they're good for another team, do you consider it a hit? No, because I, guess I not, feel like they we, we should have kept him. <laughs> yeah. And if they were at the, good for at us, the top of the draft, At the top of the draft, it's it's not great. At Oliver and Cody Ford, right. the first two picks, not great. Epinesa Moss, no. Rousseau and Basham, jury's still out on one. Basham, I don't mm-hmm. like. I know you like. I'm, I'm need, cool. The, 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 these are supposed to be the sure things. Like Your first mm-hmm. three-round picks are supposed to be the sure things on your roster, and I need to see more impactful guys. Mm-hmm. I can understand that. This, even even this season, like Kyrie Elam, first-round pick, barely saw the field like throughout the year. Yeah. Play 
but he, he the I, least, I think corners of any take, first round pick. <laughs> I think corners take, yeah, that actually some of it was weird. Yeah. But I think corners take a, take a bit to develop. Possibly. I mean, in, and if you have like a Dane Jackson, who's essentially like a grizzled veteran at this point, right. and and Kyrie Elam, like I could see Kyrie Elam having to take the better part of his season to develop enough to surpass Dane Jackson, and he did. And I can be understanding of that. And I mean, Brandon Bean does have a tendency to draft the higher ceilings more so than the short things and higher measurables. Floors. Yeah, yeah, than the higher floor. Yeah, I mean a lot of it's based on measurables so and what they think they can do you're betting on yourself when you do things like that so you better come correct with with your staff but i don't know i can be patient for the development of Kyrie elam or at least i was and i think he's i think he's panning out okay yeah well well, well, the jury's still out for sure uh tony your number one reason why we lost well my number one pick the reason why we lost clear as day if you're in the know clear as day if you're a free thinker Damar Hamlin's body double is a plant from the no. Bengals, and he was feeding them information. I don't even know. I don't even want to give this airtime. Honestly, <laughs> every mainstream media outlet that has given this Damar Hamlin conspiracy airtime, there was a prominent radio station here in Buffalo that gave it credence with the airtime, like that it could actually be a true thing, which was insane uh i was mad at kyle brandt when he had josh allen on his show this week that he even brought it up and put josh in that spot if i was josh i would say that is stupid i'm not gonna be on your show ever again because you Mm -hmm. brought this up i like it that it's your number one that's fine because it's clear it's clear that there's a body not that it's a body double it's clear that if it's a body double it is a Bengals connected body double okay I have nothing to say. I literally have nothing to say. I don't even want to talk about. It. <laughs> no, because it's that's so the nature of the. Ludicrous. That's the nature of the number ones. I know it is the, the most ridiculous thing. Like I can't yes. believe. Like you, this is like a Letterman know, top ten. Are, are like the number really, two was real. Are people one's really ridiculous. thinking this? Yeah, exactly. Are people really thinking this? If anyone had half a brain, I hope they would yeah, realize this is the most ludicrous people. thing ever. Yeah, they're like it's. Is this just one of those things that everyone says or that people say, like, this is what people are saying, but, like, no one's really saying it? Just to get a rise out of people? Yeah. Is this, like, a troll hey, I thing? Know. I don't know. I don't know. Or is this, like, so one dumb. person said it? One person said it. You don't even know if it was serious. And now it's, let's all freak out because people are saying. I don't even, I don't even know. I don't even want to, again, give any validity to this. There's no validity. Uh, well, there's validity to it, that it being out there. Oh yes, that is and I true. mean and the it's fact out, that there out there in the sense that yeah, in the sense that these people are also out there. In the sense that there's a lot of yes, humans those on this people earth. Are out there. Yeah, in the sense that there's a lot of humans on this earth that believe a lot of psychotic things that you must really have not even no critical analysis skills, negative critical analysis skills <laughs> to to believe like you're you're really fucking up. So very true. Now, I was thinking about this. Do you think there's like a body double? Now, body double can't be a good job, right? I think like super demanding, super long hours, working conditions, not guaranteed. There's got to be a body double union and like uh, 
what's her name? Not Alanis Morissette. Who am I thinking of? Who's the singer with the body double who's dead? Fiona Avril. No, Avril Levine. Yeah, Avril Levine. Like Avril Levine's yeah. body doubles in there. Demar Hamlin. You think there's a body double group? No, I think it's a labor union. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. You think they have health benefits? Well, yeah, but kind of because they they obviously just get the health benefits of who okay, they replace. Yeah, yeah. True. I like I like so this conversation I better. Easy. I like that there is yeah. a group of body doubles out there who are just waiting in the wings, like seat fillers at the Oscars. Yeah, everyone. Yeah, and you know their rights are protected sure, by negotiation right. by collective by collective negotiation. Right, exactly. It's it's part of the collective bargaining agreement. Every player is allowed right. one body double that they could choose. Oh my gosh, every player. It's a whole NFL yeah. one, huh? Yep, every every single player. Uh so right. let's uh wrap up our, our witty world segment. Witty world, witty world, party time, not excellent, Bill's lost. <laughs> Let's take a break. Tony, we'll get a quick word in from our sponsor. Then after the break, we're going to get your off-season plans this week. Next week, my off-season plans. I'll comment on yours this week. You comment on mine next week. Okay. Let's get a word from our sponsor. We'll be back after the break. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but my drink is so delightfully cold thanks to Traveling Growler. And since we know place to go, keep it cold, keep it cold, keep it cold with a Traveling Growler koozie. Koozie starting at just $5. Check out www.travelinggrowler.com today. And now back to the show. And we are back. Tony, we vented a lot. We got a lot of things off our chest with staffing, problems moving forward, potential solutions. Let's talk about our off-season plans. Obviously here sooner than we all hoped, expected, wanted. But now we're we're in the off season because that's what the Bills do. They let us down consistently. That's what um, they do. That's what they do. So we've griped over how dissatisfied we are with these results year after year. How just like Steph Diggs says, sick of coming up short, sick of the same thing over and over again. What can the Bills do to right this ship, to get us over the hump, to get us to the promised land? Uh Tony, I don't know how you want to do it. If you just want to to go off and just start rattling them off, um, or you want to do a, a couple yeah, as a list, I don't, I don't I know. Mean, let's, let me. You do you. This that... is your show, King. Oh, okay. Well, then I got a lot of comments, mostly <laughs> about ancient alien theory and how it plays into the major religions. So, <laughs> no. So, I mean, in doing this, I just want to establish, like, I'm not going to say, like, we're not going to say. Uh, specific players like we're not going to say like specific players we should draft because like we got a lot of season for that yeah we got a lot of I'm like I don't think I mean I don't think I'm even going to say specific players I should that I want to like sign because who knows at this point you know so this is just like the kind of the kind of vibe that we want out of what how we think we want to like kind of approach this okay to to get us over the hump as you said right all right so like one thing I would like to do, we've already kind of mentioned, like, yeah, I would like to fire Dorsey. That would be cool. I don't think that's going to happen. No. But I don't think I don't that Dorsey either. but but we've already I mean we already talked about this. Like I don't I don't think Dorsey has it. And I don't want to waste too many good Josh years to wait for him to get it. Right. I want someone better, younger, more creative, renowned. I want someone who's like the you know, the hot young mind. 
not someone who's yep. who like we took out of retirement or something. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't want it to be Joe Brady either. And I'm saying that based purely on his work in Carolina, but it w- it's enough for me to be messed up in that. So, so yeah, I want to play Dorsey. But his work with LSU. Yeah. I mean. He was, he was really good at LSU. They, I know. He was really good. I agree. But I think that you only get like half credit for a college, for a working college. Yeah, are you still under the impression you know? that Joe Brady was sabotaging the offense throughout the whole season so he can get the OC job? Oh, that's an interesting conspiracy theory. That started with you. Yeah. That sounds the one like something first, I would uh, think of. It does sound like me. Yeah, that does. Interesting. Okay. I would so that's probably not gonna happen. Now I would like to see an to see us right the wrongs of the past related to Joe Brady, uh, in the sense that Schefter reported that uh Davis Webb was offered the job of QB's coach and, and right. still but still wanted to be a player. So he went to the Giants so that he could play. And now this right. offseason he's looking to start his transition into coaching as his destiny. So I would like to right the wrongs of the past and have Brady go out and have Davis Webb come in. When Davis Webb was around, Josh was a lot better. So let's get that done. There's not, and and there's nothing more Buffalo hates than a Brady. So we could just write the That's wrong a good point. That's a good point. That's also writing a wrong. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that would be good. And then the other like coaching staff moves that I have are the co are we kind of already mentioned our offensive line coach gotta go. Our defensive line coach not achieving the standard, gotta go. So I would say that, you know, I mean, we already talked about the beach chair situation, but yeah, Eric Washington, I mean, I've been highly critical of him on this podcast. I, I think what say, we've yeah. seen is, yeah, I mean, we've seen, a, you know, like we've mentioned a lot, a lot of supposedly talented guys, a lot of resources being put into the defensive line. They're not stepping up. They have two jobs to do. Yeah, they have two jobs to do in the sense that they're, you know, to stop the run and to get pressure on the quarterback. They don't do either. This guy is not fulfilling any of his duties. He's got to go. We got to, we got to figure out something else because this is not, this isn't it. I mean, it's just like insane how much we've poured into the defensive line to get the results that we're having. No, 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 no. We We got to figure something else out there. Um, I blame Eric Washington as well. I also blame Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, though, because when it comes to edge rushing and the mm-hmm. type of edge rushers they have drafted, I think they have okay. fundamentally have gotten that approach completely wrong in terms of what type of edge rusher is needed to win in this league. I have said it before. I'll say it again for those new to listening to this podcast this week. Every edge rusher that the Bills have drafted has been a technique strength kind of guy they're not twitchy Mm -hmm. they're not bendy they're not quick by any means and we saw that sunday because they all looked like they were slow as molasses um covid Uh uh-huh basham epinesa even rousseau all technique guys they bring in the first twitchy bendy guy they have under this alan era and von miller who is 36 whatever years old and doesn't have a lot of years left and maybe his best years are behind him, but still a very good player. But we see that type of player finally come in and immediately have success, immediately yeah. make an impact, immediately make a difference. 
it is on Brandon Bean is on Eric Washington and Sean McDermott, all the above that. And that's why I mentioned Brandon Bean is like my top reason they lost because the type of edge rusher that they have drafted, they have fundamentally missed on instead of drafting AJ Epinesa, you could have drafted a much more athletic player in Josh Usay from the Patriots who had 11 and a half sacks this year. They needed to draft athletic guys. We saw the impact a highly athletic guy could have when we played the Dolphins and Jalen Phillips was terrorizing us all during that wildcard game. Offensive tackles are only going to get more athletic. Offensive linemen are only going to get more athletic. To combat that, you don't combat that with technique and slow guys. You combat that with more athletic guy. Like They fundamentally, for the past four years, have missed on what type of edge rusher they need to win in this league, and that's why I'm mad at them for that. I can totally understand that, and I think that there's also been maybe too much priority on like the versatility at one point, right. and now if I feel like we've kind of gotten away from the versatility. Yeah. But now I think that right. like this season, we kind of got away from that versatility priority. But now we're, we're just like stuck with these guys. Yeah. And we don't know what is going on. You know, like there was some shift in philosophy. And when there's that lack of consistency, this is kind of what happens. Right. So, yeah. Eric Washington, goodbye to you. See ya. Cromer, goodbye to you. You're out of here. <laughs> uh, the only other adjustment that I am like, yeah, we could probably do that or should probably do that is... One that I think you're probably going to have a lot of input on. I have been thinking it for more than a few days, but in the last few days, I think it's been getting more attention. Let's get Steve Wilkes on this coaching staff. Ooh, I like it. I mean, he's available. He's super familiar with McDermott. They work together closely in the past. The big question is... Almost got the Panthers to the playoffs this year. (laughs) Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, he looked... Yeah, he he showed some... You know, he was impressive this year. Uh, he was all right. You know, he's well tenured and well and well established and has had a lot of success, consistent success. Right. So to look at that, I'm like, even if Frazier doesn't go, you, you can always make up a you can always make up a position to be, you know, assistant defensive assistant head coach or special assistant quality or control or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, something you can and then just pay him like an insane amount of money. Like you can always come up with that. He can be the secondaries coach uh, or the safeties coach. I mean, he does have the knowledge base for that, so he can do that. Sure, and that would be not? fine if he wants to take it. I mean, he's obviously going to be on people's shortlists to be defensive coordinator. So it's does he want to be a defensive coordinator or does he want to come here with the old Panther squad? Well, that's, you know, I mean, I guess that's kind of the selling point. But it would be dope uh, to be able to get him on here. I think that would probably help out. And it would help me feel a little bit more comfortable, like things are a little bit more solid. And I think it would also kind of put a little pressure on Frazier to yep. step up because you're we got someone waiting in the wings if you mess up anymore. Uh, so I think yeah. having his mind in here would be helpful. And that's I, the change I, I make to the coaching staff. Again, I think there just needs to be new energy and new vision yeah. for this defense. I think Steve Wilkes would be a good addition. I, I, I agree with your last point, especially of it would kind of put some pressure on Frazier to mm-hmm. shut up or not off, if you will. Frazier needs to start fixing the problems that have plagued mm-hmm. this defense for three plus years now. The fact that they can't stop the run, the fact that they come out of the gates flat, 
the fact that they can't stop or can't game plan around team's best players. Mm-hmm. We got it. We got to fix this. And if it's the personnel on the field, change the personnel on the field. Like you and the positional coaches have done nothing to really improve these young core guys who you built this roster around. Ed Oliver, has he shown flashes of being Aaron Donald light mm-hmm. sometimes, but those are f- way too far, you know, few and far between, if you will. Right. I mean, a guy like Tremaine Edmonds, I know McDermott was up there in front of the media. Brandon Bean were up there in front of the media saying he had his best year as a bill this past year. Well, yeah, he's playing for a contract and he hasn't been very good. He's been okay. <laughs> I know people uh-huh. probably give him more praise and I'm a little more cynical towards him, but did that guy make a huge impact this year again? Did he have any game-changing plays when we needed him the most? I was watching him get mauled by some backup offensive linemen from the Bengals this past Sunday. Mm. I don't think he's improved like this crazy amount throughout his past four years here. And I know everyone's like, oh, he's still young. And I think he just is who he is. He still struggles in coverage. Yeah, the defense changed and looked insurmountably worse when he was not out there. But that's because I don't think they were very good around him like other than milano and daquan jones and von miller like i don't know you're getting a hurt boy you're getting a rookie at secondary you're getting trey white who's maybe not mentally 100 percent back um mm-hmm. or physically or and, physically yeah when that is the case stereotypically who is the leader on an nfl defense it's the middle linebacker who's the guy who steps up and makes a play when they need it the most it's a right. middle linebacker it's never been Jermaine Edmonds. And I don't think it ever will be. Cool. He made a hit in the flat I don't think it ever will be against in, the Dolphins. In Leslie yeah. Frazier's system. That's something else that I want to. It was won't be in about. Leslie Frazier's system. It hasn't. No, been. it won't be. It in might Leslie be in someone Frazier's else's system. system. Right. You wouldn't wouldn't you think like we just fired the safeties coach? Wasn't Leslie Frazier like a great safety? Right. Like a legendary <laughs> Again, safety. I don't know if he's legendary, like, but what's I think going he's a pretty good there? safety back in his day. Right. Well, I mean, legendary in the sense that he was on the 85 Bears. Yes. I think he's he pretty shuffle. good. He, yeah. he could okay. shuffle. Well, he could Super Bowl shuffle. I mean, that is, that's legendary in the sense that he was a part of a legend, a star on a legendary defense. Yeah, I'd say so. So that's something. Qualifies? Yeah. Right. That qualifies. All, I the, agree. all the more reason why Jim Salgado is just the, the All the more reason for... that to the safety situation we're saying, the fuck is this? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. In terms of like roster construction, I looked at all the pending free agents the Bills have. Yeah, unrestricted free agents. I think I would bring back like two. I think I would bring back okay. Mike Bacher and Jamison Crowder because they both cost $2 million or less. Yeah. They didn't really play all last year, but I think they still have some, if they can stay healthy, have or are good depth and can, can make an impact and play a role on this team. Mm-hmm. Um, but Aside from those two guys, if they sign those two guys and let everyone else who's a UFA go, I'd be totally okay with that. I didn't see anyone on that list where I'm like, really sad we would lose if we were to lose them. Mm. Um, well, what do you, you think? can give us that information next week when it's your fucking turn. <laughs> there definitely needs to, besides the safety coach, be, again, people held accountable for year after year. And not just coming from me, but from your star wide receiver, mm-hmm. he's sick of this year after year, and so am I. So am I. I mean, Andy Andy Reid went to four NFC championships, still got canned from the Eagles. Like sometimes you just need 
a fresh set of eyes on this thing and new energy. Yeah. And I don't think McDermott's yeah. going anywhere, nor do I expect him to for any foreseeable future. Or do I want yeah. him to? I think like we're talking about how, you know, it's tough to find replacements. The yeah. new energy sort of ideal, I think, is more common in hockey. And like that was when we left when we got rid of Lindy Ruff. Like that was all that. It's just like it's so become so stale. Like no one's behind it anymore. Yeah. Until and it was, you know, it was sad. It was like, wow, we're getting rid of Lindy Ruff. Like it's a big deal. And then yeah. and then look what happened. Like the Sabres right. went into purgatory. Right. Good. So there's a good there is, comparison. You know, like, I like that. Yeah, like the gamble is not worth it to go full boat, but if you know you can keep some consistency but also like freshen up, you know, give some sprays of fresh of freshness, then yeah. that's for breezes. that situation. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. We got yeah, we new coordinators are the Febreze. Yeah, what's Febreze this coaching staff? I like yeah, we gotta Febreze this coaching staff. That's right. We need some sports of, but of with some every, fresh air. But with every new coaching staff comes the fit of the old players isn't going to be exact. You know, like you drafted people for the old, old coach. Now the new coach might have some different ideas. Yeah, but are the players we working? Is it working right now? <laughs> no, and we haven't had the consistency. That's what I'm saying. How many yeah, people regress? Rangers been around forever, and it's not working. We have offensive line regression happening here. Of like, some of those young players were super good until this year under Cromer, and they're not the fit for Cromer. And then that's what we thought we were getting with Saffold because he would be, you'd think the fit for Saffold, but he wasn't. So the guy right. just sucks. Same thing, Josh <laughs> regression, new coach. And then you would say secondary regression. That coaching got shaken up when the Babbages, when the elder Babbage retired. So when we reconstruct this roster, a lot of it has to be in consideration uh, of that is what I'm trying to say. So, and I think that is most apparent on offensive line. So if we're getting rid of if of a if we're getting rid of Cromer, then mm-hmm. I want to see two new guards in here. One drafted. No, it's going to have to be two. This is what I think we do with with offensive line. I think we're always trying to take the Jordan Poyer strategy with the offensive line, and we haven't hit yet. And the Jordan Poyer strategy is take someone who's like mid and moderate, but like we think it's mm-hmm. in them, and they just need the chance, and then they like explode into stardom from that chance. And they happen with Boyer, but I feel like that's always like what we're trying to do with offensive line by getting like the Greg Mances of the world. And then they don't, they're not there. <laughs> Brian you Winters. Know? Yeah, exactly. Like, we just cycle through all these new offensive linemen. Every offensive lineman in the league has been here in the past four years. And, nice. you know, it's like, it's really hit or miss. We're really throwing it at the wall. Well, the way you don't throw it at the wall is through the draft, but I just, we, I, we just can't afford it. Cause to me, the first two draft picks have to be a wide receiver and a safety. The safety position is literally at zero. I mean, on the one right. side, Poyer's Poyer's gone. Hamlin is uh, uh, unavailable, unable, yep. and everybody else was. Uh, Cam Lewis should not be a safety. Yeah, everyone else is a converted uh, cornerback. Cam Lewis, Benford, yes. if they move him back there, right? Benford, Johnson, if they move him, if that's gone. Like I would imagine. Yeah. Well. Should, Jaquan Johnson is the other end, is the other side, is the other safety. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, in terms right. of depth at the safety position as a yeah. whole, like, it's, they're it's zero. Just it's, a, it's a blank yeah. canvas. It is a blank canvas. So, yeah, so I'm saying in the first two rounds, you're drafting your safety, and we also have to draft a wide receiver, and we also have to sign a wide receiver. So, uh, mm-hmm. in the old days, the old days of before, 
before this year, uh, it was always like, okay, we're going to have like some solid veteran on the other side. And then the young guy's spelling in and that's right. what happened. But obviously Gabe is not, you know, we, let's get a better weapon in here than Gabe. Uh, so I would like to see another establishment guy in here and let's draft someone as high as we possibly can. Someone who's going to develop as fast as they possibly can. Some sort of stud freak athlete, if we can find one uh, yep. and let him get in there. So like, even I was thinking oh, like, man, it's like we need like Jamar Chase. And then Brandon Bean said, yeah, we need Chase, but we have to suck to get I want to suck that baby. So figure, yeah. Right, exactly. Uh, and that's true. Um, so it's going to have to take some just sort of like, you know, freak athleticism that's going to be able to get us in there. And sometimes I see people, you know, in my uh, amateur draft scouting that could potentially fit the bill. But I'm even thinking like, I look at someone, I look at what like Jahan Dotson did this year. You know, came in mm-hmm. really productive year, scoring machine, and that was like a someone who's just a fluid freak athlete. You know, it's just about using them right. But that's kind of where I want yeah. to see the slot in the to right be focused. System. Yeah, put them in the right system, and that's where I want to see like the slot position be focused. So really, I want the wide receivers room to be Diggs, new veteran, new rookie, new rookie. Now, can they? Wolf. Yeah, right. He Wolf, Gabe, and Kumaro. There you go. So. Now, do we want that veteran to be Crowder? Yeah, I Hopkins. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, that would be sweet. Yeah, let's do that. That's a great idea. No, yeah, we're going to sign DeAndre Hopkins. We can we can definitely afford that too. So, <laughs> that. Now, Sorry, this veteran, both. this veteran, what I would love in my ideal world is we trade Epinesa for some wide receiver that's also kind of like hasn't really reached their full potential yet. And if we can do like an uh, Epinesa's in that situation, like a, like a, tr- like a, you know, trade for a change of scenery situation, then I'd be, I would want to do that. I'd be about that. I'm looking for a Jerry Hughes 2.0. Like, yeah, Jerry I'm looking Hughes for Jerry really Hughes out in Indy. 2.0. Calvin Shepard wasn't really working. These guys just need a new change of scenery and hopefully they'll become the best version of themselves. Yes, exactly. Looking for that. And that's what you become when you come to Buffalo. You become the best version of yourself. Sure. Now, all of this... The toughest part of the offseason is the last thing that I have, and it's the question mark at middle linebacker. To me, you ju- you just gotta. I think you just gotta sign Edmonds. You just gotta like keep Ed. You just gotta figure out how to keep Edmonds. Because no, who's waiting in the wings? Do you think this is my speculation? Oh God, do you think, no, not Terrell Bernard. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. But do you think we drafted Terrell Bernard to be the heir apparent? I think we. That was the plan, and then we realized I think so too. stinks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the that's therein lies the issue. So right. that's what I'm like. Yeah, plan A fell through. Like you got to spend, you got to spend more than you wanted to for plan B, and yeah, and make it point. make it happen. I, I, you know, we don't have the capital yeah. to figure it out. We don't have the. Um, I mean, unless you do an Epinesa or a Boogie Basham trade for a middle linebacker and hope it works out, but I think that's kind of a big gamble. So I'm like, I, I think you just got to take the sure thing while the sure thing is there and keeping consistent with Edmonds. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, and I think that I don't think he's as sure of a thing, but well, just another thing you have to replace in the offseason. Maybe if sure you don't thing is, him. right. Maybe sure thing is the wrong term. Maybe I'm thinking the devil, you know, yeah, is better than the devil. You don't. So and, right. and I mean, everything else that I'm saying, like, really, the only other things that would be expensive is the veteran receiver if it goes via signing. And, um, and the, 
if you want to spend a little bit more on the guard position, which I kind of maybe do, but if, you know, to the extent that I can, I would want to do that. And I think for free safety, like free safety, you're just hoping for another, like I said, like Poyer signing of someone who's ready to explode and just needs a chance and they make the most of it. And that's kind of what we have to hope for. I like it. I like it. And that's the off season uh, plan. Thoughts, eh? That's the off season plan. <laughs> Keeping Manikavich. Uh, you got to keep Manikavich too. No, 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 no. You're done. <laughs> oh, silly. That's where you lost stay. me. Keeping Taiwan Jones. No, he doesn't. No. Oh gosh. No. Okay, we're moving. We're closing. We're ending this now. Before you say more ludicrous things. Oh, okay. I guess you don't like special teams at all. I guess you no, don't think they matter. I just think anyone again. Well, you don't. You this is established that you don't think they. You think anyone can do it. Tony, let's wrap it up. Uh, thank you to our sponsor, Traveling Growler, www.travelinggrowler.com. Quality koozie started just $5. Shop local, support local, Traveling Growler. Podcast store, teespring.com. You can also find some of our designs on the Built in Buffalo Tea Public store. But search Witty Not Funny, all one word on Teespring. You can find all the designs there, hoodies, shirts. Support the podcast, quality stuff. Pretty fairly cheap compared to other stuff out there. So, Get a good talking point. Buy some merch uh, from our store. Where to find the podcast? You can find the podcast anywhere you're fine podcasts or listen to for free. iTunes, Spotify, search Way Not Funny, search Built on Buffalo, subscribe. If you like us, leave us a review. We always like to say whether you give us two minutes or two hours of your time, we greatly appreciate it. We truly do mean that. Uh, Twitter handles, Tony, where can listeners find you? They can find me at Tony Ambrose, but I'm not easy to find anymore because Twitter is weird now. Thanks, Elon. Yeah. I also, Matt, changed my Twitter picture last Tuesday. So that might be Ooh. what gave the Bills bad luck. It is potentially Ossical. my fault. Wait, way to go. It's all Tony's fault. <laughs> yeah. The podcast at Woody Sports 716. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, Woody Not Funny Podcast, Facebook, TikTok. Um, even though we're not really on TikTok that much. Um, <laughs> go follow us. We love following back. Uh, connecting with the Buffalo sports community out there. And finally, Tony, send off for the listeners. Quick, what do you got? Time to hunker in for the long off-season's hibernation. I like that, hibernation. Mm-hmm. The bears we are. Uh, as I always say, go Bills and stay witty out there, everyone. Thanks for listening. Peace. Bye. Bye. Later. Bye, off-season. Marshawn is a fresher breath there. He just loved chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love each and most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? It, it, it kind of looks like a football, actually. Thank you for that. Stitching you guys. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, stay focused. Um, work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It builds a problem. It builds a problem. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network.